Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Chargers. Exciting week. Low has uh, Lorenzo Neal joins me, Matt Money Smith, getting ready to roll through uh, this particular episode. And, and it's tricky, Low, because there have been so many. I got it to my right. The grid of interviews that they have requested and who has actually been interviewed. And as we go through the head coach, um, they've pretty much got through it outside of the individuals they can't interview until after the divisional round. And that is anyone that is employed by an NFL team outside of the Chargers, you can't interview them until after the divisional round. So they're waiting for Aaron Glenn, Ben Johnson, Dan Quinn. That's who's still kind of Raheem Morris still left out there, even though their teams have been eliminated in the case of the Cowboys and the Rams. You cannot talk to them until after the divisional round. But no doubt you look at the Instagram page of the Chargers. It's got over a million followers and you see the interview completed Jim Harbaugh, 97,000 likes on that one. So we know there's a leader in the clubhouse of who the people want from everyone that's been interviewed. Same with the general managers. They've been through already six of those interviews. So what I'm getting at, low, it feels like we're getting to the finish line. It feels like perhaps this thing could be happening very, very soon, and we're going to find out who the new general manager and head coach is in, in pretty short order. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're going to find out. It's going to be interesting just to see what they're doing because, you, like you said, there's a lot of names out there, named that you and I talked off, off air and you know talked about Variable and what he brings to the table, know what he's been doing with the Titans, and uh, just some interesting names and perspective. Uh, my guy off the board, you know, he went to Alabama, DeBoer, uh, you see that he went over, took over Saban. So there's some coaches that are already off the board, but it's just going to be interesting. Where the, what is the Chargers going to do? Everyone knows Harbaugh is that name that everyone wants, talking about instant gratification, and a guy who's built programs. You look at his success, and like you talked about Stanford, the University of San Diego, this guy is a program builder, doesn't matter which level he's on, you know that he knows how to win and he knows how to put a system in. So is that going to be the guy? I know everyone's hanging their hat on that. I know he's going to sell tickets. But is that is is this, are the Spanos going to go with the guy that is kind of quirky, a guy maybe that's going to come in and want a lot of power, you know, to be able to, you know, how is he and the GM going to get along? You know, when you first bring in, do you get to GM first or are you going to bring your coach in first? And that's yeah. going to be interesting. I tell you, Lo, you just look at the the interviews and there's two names that, that jump out. And it's Ian Cunningham and it's uh, Joe Ortiz, just because both of them spent, in, in, you know, an extraordinary amount of time. Joe Ortiz over 20 years in Baltimore. So that's where I connect it. I think it's those two. They're people that John knows well, his brother, that John has won a Super Bowl with, that John has been the model franchise regularly competing for, if not waiting the division, year in, year out. And if you're asking me, if it is Harbaugh, that's going to be that simultaneous hire. Is is him right. talking to John? What do you think yep. of Joe? What do you think of Ian? And being able – and that's the that's the thing that, that I push back on, and, and I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I, this is just my opinion that I'm throwing out there. But the idea that people are on that did Harbaugh is going to want too much control. Well, his brother John has not wanted too much control. His brother John has made it work under Ozzie Newsom and DaCosta and Joe Ortiz and Ian Cunningham and all of these guys. And why would his brother kind of bulk at that? It's worked so well for John year in and year out to, to be able to work in concert with a very strong front office. I think people continue to point back, and we, we've made this point before. I don't need to belabor it, but just he and Balky didn't get along. And Trent Balky right. and Jim Harbaugh did not get along. They're two alphas. They're two dominant personalities. 
And it just wasn't a good combination. That's all. It doesn't mean the guy wants all the power in L.A. and, and that the Spanos just don't want to relinquish it. The second thing that I would push back on is I just think the way that you've seen this team, the, the way that they have operated this team is completely different than what they did in San Diego. You think about the facility in San Diego and, and how long they spent there and what it looked like. Let me take you to El Segundo, and let me show you what that thing looks like. Quarter of a billion-dollar facility. They dropped a billion dollars, $600 million as an investment, $400 million relocation to move to L.A. A billion dollars is what they spent to be here. And then on top of it, they've got one of the highest payrolls in the league, the most expensive defense in the league, and we know individually what they've paid players. So for me, that's those are sort of the things that that I've heard discussed regularly that I sort of – push back on a little bit and I don't, and maybe they will come to fruition. Maybe they will hire a coordinator and they don't want to give up that power. But to me, it appears as though it lines up. It, it does to me line up that, that if they want Harbaugh and Harbaugh wants them, those two sides are going to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that, I think they are waiting for Baltimore. I think that it's Joe. You look at this, you know, what he's done in Baltimore. He's a football guy. And John just wants to be around a football guy. You, like you said, I've been coached by, by you know, Harbaugh, you know, yeah. in Baltimore, played there and, and seen the kind of coach he is and kind of man right. he is. And I told you some of the stories. He's a guy that's going to demand excellence. I mean, Ray Lewis and, and Ed Reed, these guys had two lockers. And the first thing he did when he came to the team, he said, hey, look, guys, I need you guys to have buy-in. And then they said, okay, sure. What is it, coach? I want you guys to be just like everyone else. I want you guys to take, instead of sharing, having two lockers apiece, I want you guys to be like the regular guys and only have one. And guess what Ed Reed and Ray Lewis did? They bought in, said, hey, look, I get it. So Hardball knew what he needed to do, which leaders he needed to go out to say, look, no, we're all in this together. I can't let these two guys have two lockers, even though they're empty lockers and no one needed them. And it wasn't like it was anything bad, but it was showing. And he said, no. I, that's one thing he did. He went down there and looked at, assessed the situation and said, no, right. not on my team. And that's what it takes. And you're going to need that in with the L.A. Chargers. You're going to need a guy that's going to go in there and talk about press and reset. You're talking about something has been missing. You're absolutely right. Something has been missing. And it's a time for a hard reset to say, let's start working with the culture again. you got to change the dynamics of how people view the Chargers and how you view yourself. Not people, but also the players. Because if you people out there outside looking in, they're like, here's a team with all this talent that underachieves. Here's a team with all this talent that plays down to the level of competition here's a team that when they're playing a great team they'll play and seem like they get so close and they'll find a way to win or, or lose but where is the consistency that's why you have to bring in a coach that's going to push a hard reset to start changing the culture yeah one thing also I, there's a flip side of that you know I'll, I'll now give you the other side of Harbaugh isn't just interviewing with the Chargers ready to sign whatever they shove in front of them and and that's great you know, Michigan is is trying like crazy to keep him, you know, and his agent is working with Michigan to see if they can get some language right in case the NCAA brings a hammer down and there's a show cause that comes that they can't let go of him and, and vi- you know, and just invalidate the contract and say, yeah, that $120 million we promised you, nope, you're not getting any of it because of show cause penalty and now you get fired for cause. Like, so clearly – there's competition for his services. You know, the Falcons interviewed Belichick and then they brought in Harbaugh. And we know Arthur Blank is not shy. The guy that owns Home Depot turns out has a lot of money. So it turns out you got yeah. money to spend. You think? So there's, <laughs> there's competition out there. There may be competition in Philadelphia. There may be competition in Dallas. Those are Super Bowl-ready rosters. We certainly know in Philadelphia, considering they 
damn near won the Super Bowl a year ago, 11 months ago from when we're doing this. So we know that Dallas spares no expense. Um, would Harbaugh be able to, when people say, oh, I don't know, could he work with Jerry? Jerry worked with Parcells. He recognized that things got sideways on him and he flew to New Jersey and he sat down with Bill Parcells and said, yes, here it is. I'll give you control. I got to get this right. Let's do it together. So we know that he's done it in his past. Has it been a long time since then? Yes, it's been 20 years, but there's that possibility. So it, it might not be Jim Harbaugh. The one thing that I, that I continue to point to, the people that do this, they get paid multiple millions of dollars to get it right. And when you hear Adam Schefter and when you read Tom Pellicero and Ian Rappaport and Jeremy Fowler, they all seem to say the same thing, that there's smoke there, that it feels like Harbaugh wants the Chargers and the Chargers want Harbaugh and there's in mutual interest on both sides. It just feels like there's a lot of that, not just from one person at, at fan-sided or what. No, this is the biggest names in NFL information are, for whatever reason, seem to be unified. And for, look, owners, Veeps, president of football operations, agents, they all have their people. Yeah, this is a, oh, the, the, this is a Schefter guy, and he's a Pelissero guy, and this is a Rappaport, and they're leaking information. And they want that out there for a reason. So now, uh, is that to drive up the market for Arthur Blank and you know, or or Jerry? Maybe, but it's certainly those guys don't want to write that and be wrong. They don't want to post that and be wrong. They want to be right, and it just feels like there is an awful lot of that out there right now. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting because you're right. It's all you're looking at. Look up, pick up the paper, and it's talking about all the different prospects. I just can't wait till it's over. I know the yeah. Charger fans can't wait till it's over. I know you and I. We sit here and we'll speculate, and we we'll talk about Hardball. We'll talk about Vrabel, and we'll talk about all the coaches that, that yeah. we feel that can fit the bill. And bottom line, it's going to come down to the Spanos and their family and the organization to say. What direction do they want to take? What direction do they see the future of this team? Because right now, you know you can't get this wrong. The last, five, last three or four hires, have, they missed, and they missed badly. And it's not been because of lack, lack of effort. It hasn't been because these guys weren't great exes and those guys. It wasn't because these guys couldn't coach. It's just for something has been missing. So they have to get it right. I know they have to get it right, Money. You know that, too. That's a perfect spot for us to stop talking and get some outside perspective. All right, Lou, let's uh, bring him in. He is no stranger to the spot uh, from, from Long Beach down to Escondido, of course, up to <laughs> USC and even a season with the Chargers. Always great to get the perspective of one of the best in the business. Sean Salisbury joins us here on Believe in Chargers. And Sean, just straight out the gate, uh, I'll throw it at you. Uh, you know, the, the, the easiest one, the obvious one, who's the best coach? Which one do you think is the best fit for the Chargers moving forward? Um, well, I think there's, there's layers to it. You know, do you want guys that are set in their ways, like a Harbaugh coming back and having that? Do you want a Bill Belichick who is going to garner a lot of the power in the building? Or I, there's a name that I don't hear mentioned anywhere, fellas, and it's great to be on with you guys, is, is Mike Vrabel. I, I, I don't understand. I think he's at the perfect – I want a guy who's been kicked in the teeth, who understands players, but doesn't have to let the players run the entire – place because you got to know who's in charge who understands winning being a number one seed in Tennessee with some lesser talent than other places who also gets systems and schemes and isn't afraid to hire great coaches I think that's a I think that's so underrated low you and I have talked about this in the past of we always talk about the head coach I want to know the staff 
because the staff is what's bringing stuff. They're the guys who are spinning around the players. I think there's a handful of good candidates, fellas. I do, but for my money, I, I, I think Vrabel. You give him Herbert. You got you got to start a lot of positions in the secondary, a wide receiver. You Khalil Mack. The, the Khalil, <laughs> that, that, yeah, he's pretty good in both. They're, they're they're not bad on the edges as well. So you can go up and down the roster. And I I must say this for and it pains me too, but over the last handful of years, a team that has been enormously talented and hurt a lot. I know banged up, yeah. but underachieved with the roster has been these charges. Every This year I picked them to win the division as well as I mean, over Kansas City and because I thought this is, they're going to finally elevate. Well, the in-game yeah. play, the, all the things that went on in-game, I don't need to reemphasize that. You guys know in game management, by they needed a new, a new feel. So let me go Vrabel first, Harbaugh second, Belichick third in my order. I can win with all of them. The next thing is which one of these guys maximizes the building and but also doesn't need to have all the power in the building. I'm a big believer in owner, front office guy running it, coach doing his thing with help from the GM and drafting, but let the GM do his thing, the coach on the field, and then go around and hire head coaches or assistant coaches you believe to be head coaches. I would love to see a guy like Mike Vrabel. Plus, I love his toughness. All three of them are worthy. The Chargers can't do any worse than what's going on. And that's no disrespect to Staley, who is a great X's and O's guy. The problem is, low. we've all seen it. There's a difference between being a, a, be able to teach a position and then go be a coordinator and get in that right. and then go from a coordinator to a head coach. The two things I got to have, guys, with this, aside from hiring great assistants, is leadership meaning run the building and make sure that the leadership is uh, is locked down and buy-in. I think when those two disappear or one of the two disappear, you got to move on. That's happened here. You look at what happened here in Houston. Buy-in to D'Amico Ryans and you get Stroud. you got the quarterback. Now you got to find the guy who gets buy-in and leadership and maximizes the building. I'll start with Vrabel. The other two are pretty damn impressive as well. When you look at that, when you think about that, Sean, I like exactly what you said. Go over just what you mean when you're talking about, you see a guy like Antonio Pierce for the Raiders, seeing what he brought, and you hear guys, you know, the, your defensive end standing on the table for him. But you talk about, a, you know, a, a coach that the Chargers have yep. that you said Staley probably knows X and O's better than Pierce, Robbie Run Circle. What is that? What is that it factor that you that, you, that puts the variables and guys that, you know, you see what Pierce did in Oakland? What I mean, I mean with, with Vegas. What is that it factor? What is that intangible that gets guys to be able to play for these individuals? If I had every ingredient to that low, we'd all bottled up and us three would be rich and we'd be running every network <laughs> instead of talking on it, right, all of them. But I, I, I get it, and I'm, I'm with you. I think we can all kind of throw in an ingredient in there that, that we understand what it is. One is people automatically, well, he's a former player. The players will love him. That's not always the case. Sometimes you're a former player and forget you played. Right. Sta Staley's a, a good coach. but was the leadership. Did he maximize it? Did he maximize the, from the equipment guy all the way up to the quarterback and everybody else in the building? I, remember how they talked about him when he first came in? Brilliant young mind. But his in-game management got away from him. He needed a caddy, honest to God. I, I, I think more head coaches need caddies walking alongside, not to get back coach, but a caddy saying, coach, you really want to do this on fourth and one? I, honestly, because you lose your team that way. I love guys who put trust in their players without turning the whole regime over to him. So for me, what buy-in and leadership is, and a guy like Antonio Pierce is, when I know guys are not only going to run through the wall, but run around it, run over it, but not just talk it, 
get to the building a little earlier, maybe study a little smarter. And then when it's it nut cutting time that, you know, the guy that's on the sidelines has been through it because he is a former player, but his energy says, no matter what happens, we're going to come back and do it again. He's not going to give me the, I confess it's that guy's fault. He's not a bus tosser. And I think all those start to come in and it's a, a mosh pit of a lot of different stuff, a bit, whatever you throw into your stew, that that's what it is when it comes to that it factor or buy-in or leadership. But some guys, and it's easy to lose them, the player's low, and you, you guys know this, and it's really hard to get it back. It's like respect. Once you lose it, you got to work 10 times as hard to get it back. And players are fragile. they egos and they're fragile. So there's a slippery slope between I'm still the head coach, make sure you understand that too. Fellas, I get it. I understand what we did here. It's not dictatorships don't usually work well with this day and age of player because the player has changed. You can cuss me out in front of players 15, 20 years ago. Trust me, I got cussed out enough. We all did. Nowadays, if you cuss them out, the player empowerment kicks in and they all want to leave. I want to go. I'm not going to show up. I'll be late. I'm not. And I'm not saying all of them. It's not fair to put it on, bro, but they are. The, the mindset has changed a little. The talent's just as good. The players are actually more spectacular because they got everything at their disposal. But the Antonio Pierce buying, I think more than anything, it's like whether your relationships, right? Whether you're married, your boss in our jobs, when you know, when you come to work every day, he's going to cut you loose and treat you like a grown ass man. That when you make mistakes, we'll be transparent. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But the other side of it is I got your back. I'm never going to criticize you for working hard, working smart, studying, doing all those things. And then when you got to get rid of a guy, players players know who the guy should be starting and shouldn't and shouldn't be. The favoritism's got to go out the building, although you can't treat them all the same. You're not going to treat Troy Aikman the way you treat me. Troy's going to get a little better treatment, okay, and he should. So you know what I'm saying as far as a little longer leash. So I, I think there's a lot of layers to it. But you saw the energy that Antonio – and it's not fake energy, and it's not just because he played. He understood – bringing my playing in. It's like a broadcaster, guys. If I sit up there and I'm broadcasting a game and every time I refer to, well, when I played, when I played, you can share an experience, but why not share it? Well, I, I was coached by this guy and here's what he told me back in 1998. It's got to, they got to understand that it's not I, I, that there is me and we, and I know it sounds cheesy, but I think when they know you got them, they will rally for you. D'Amico Ryan's former player. Mike Vrabel, former player, but they're former players who understand, not former players that got too much power and decide to impose it upon those teammates. I don't think I, you know, I, I just want to make sure because I'm following up, you know, what you're talking about in the player empowerment movement. And, and by no means do I believe, and, and yeah, I got a Chargers logo on here. So, you know, I've, I've got a biased opinion in broadcasting for the team, but everybody seems to point out, you know, Herbert needs someone. Herbert, you know, maybe stalled out this year. I don't know if that's fair considering, the injuries on the O-line, the injuries to Mike Williams. Austin Eckler was not the same this year. But, he, Sean, he took a lot of incoming. As someone that that obviously knows the position, that won a championship at the position, what did you see from Herbert this year? How important do you think it is that they get someone for him specifically? Phenomenal point, and I think you're 100% correct. I feel like, and I probably, you know, you get the package, and I'm out here watching all these TVs. I probably saw him every snap, what, 10 times this year? probably in games when you're watching the NFL and I'm not working on Sunday so I can watch them all. Um, I, I would say I felt like they lacked a little more. They're a little more indecisive. I felt like he, the shots, now that may be coordinated. I feel like they at times played not to lose and to me weren't as aggressive as they've been in the past. And I think this guy lives on aggressiveness. And what's gonna, what we're going to find out about him 
is now that people are questioning, well, he needs a guy. We need a little more focus. What are we going to do? This is when you find out when that guy dials in. Herbert's got every – he's bright. He's made – he's he's came on the scene and exploded on the scene. Hell, I asked Mike Martz about a year ago. I said, Mike, who would you take if you were starting a team? And at that time, he said, I'd start with Herbert. He loves his size, his ability to move. He's got every physical thing you want, and he's also a really bright guy. But that position is so fragile on aggressiveness – on when to be judicious with the football, but when to take chances and take your shots. And listen, I always say this. If Tiger Woods needs a swing coach, it's okay for somebody to come in and rattle a little bit of cage the right way. I think that and we know how much coaching matters, and your point is so, so, so on about getting him to refocus. And a lot of times you get caught up in a lot of distractions. It's easy to do in L.A., guys. Not just yeah. the distractions, but all the media criticism and the expectations. The Rams won a Super Bowl. The Chargers have been a highly pub team. It's the next level for Herbert. Nobody's going to question if he can throw it. I want to see him get back to, I guess, clearing clutter out of his mind and maybe a coach that says, no, dude, you're my guy. Here's what we're doing. We got one of the five or ten best players in the league at the position. Let's go rediscover that. Easier said than done. But, yes, and I don't – back to this. I don't care if it's an offensive coach. I, I really don't. When it comes to the head coach, what I need is a guy that you go get that's a quarterback coach and a coordinator that that room gets it. And because the truth is, how many times, low do you sit and have a conversation with your head coach, offense or defense? Now, unless that coach is like Sean Payton, who calls those plays, or Matt LaFleur, if you're just if you're a defensive coach, I need your most important hire to be. How am I right. taking care of that dude? Look what happened to Mac Jones when Bill put Matt Patricia, who's a yeah. Dude, look, look what happened. I mean, you just think guys can go in there and do it. Hell, this guy would have had a good rookie year. You throw Matt Patricia in there, and the guy went to hell in a handbasket. Yep. Couldn't play. No, yep. no offense to Matt Patricia, but that's like me asking me to go coach the kickers. Are you out of your damn mind of the mechanics of the position? So I think he needs to get back to a lot of times basics, which is cliche. But I want to see Herbert cut it loose with the aggressiveness that I know he's got in him, yards per attempt, all that. The, the accuracy, you know, I'm not worried about it. That's a little adjustment. He's got players. I think a lot of it comes to the psychological aspect of I'm carrying this burden, and that's not going away of you're the quarterback, but to free your mind up and know that you – look at Lamar. Lamar doesn't feel like he has to make every play this year. Well, what, 28 touchdowns, and he's and yet in the process with look what Munkin's done with him, he's elevated right. everything about his game to another level. There seems to be more patience. I don't have to rush for 140 yards to win or win the MVP. Herbert's got all those skills. He just needs somebody to knock on the door and get it out of him. He's a guy that if I'm coaching in the NFL or if I was a coordinator or a quarterback coach, I want him because all the things he's got that I can't teach, I can run with it. And some of the things he doesn't have, that I guarantee you I can teach him. That guy should be an MVP candidate every year. That next hire at the quarterback coach slash coordinator will be as just as important, if not more, than the head coach. Agreed. And staying in that same vein, Sean, there's one word that I would sum it up with. And how do you get that from him? Because like you said, it's nothing he can't do. He can go out and throw for 400 yards, 500 yards. In one week, it's 250 and 17 points. Where is the consistency? How is it consistent? What is it that, what does it take for him to become more consistent? Because like you said, he can make every throw, should be an MVP conversation every year. The consistency. What's how do you get that? I remember when he came out of Oregon, and I'll leave the name out. A guy who knows the quarterback position, has coached it, played it, been 
Well, he's played in games in February. So there's a lot of those guys. And you know what, February, there's only one game usually played, and that's a Super Bowl. And I remember asking him about Herbert coming out. And he felt that it was going to be a project, that he had all this ability, but a project and almost felt like he needed to be closer to home, meaning because he just didn't feel, I guess, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the mental and emotional toughness of it. Now, I think he squelched that right off the bat, right? I mean, yeah, we all we all have a predictions, and, and until you're around a guy all the time, you don't know. But he squelched because he came in with the Tyrod Taylor thing and hit the ground running and has been a, a damn good player ever since. Uh, ever since. But we were to a point – he got to get to a point where 4,000, 5,000-yard seasons don't mean a hill of beans. And he fe- it, it feels to me – like he's, you know, he's not a big self promoter. He's done his job. I think that people believe in him in the building, but from my distance, I think there comes a point in time low when you just got to throw caution to the wind and say, you know what, all this other stuff, I got to get back to that toughness of no matter what happens during a bad day, can I find a way when the dog peed on my leg, my girlfriend's looking at the other quarterback. I, the coach, the players aren't talking to me. The coach is looking at me and looking at his watch like, boo, your time is limited, buddy, that the, the train leaves right after the game. And then go in at halftime, make the switch and say, no, 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 not today, son. It's more, oh, yeah, he's prepared to win. It looks pretty. I need the it's a refusal to lose thing. Does that make sense? The, 100%. The, the, there's, a, there's a difference. And Herbert may have it, but it's okay to somebody's just got to tap it and get it out because I love the guy. And yeah. whether it's mentally emotional, we all have our predictions when a guy comes out in the draft. I've seen enough to know I can win a big game with him and a bunch of them, but I need to see more of it low. And I think that's the secret. Which one of these guys gets Herbert to say, middle finger to the rest of the world, it's time for me to elevate to where Joe Burrow's been? To where, yeah. hey, we're still waiting. For, does Josh Allen going to get it this weekend? It's Lamar's turn. Dak hasn't done that yet, right? He's put up numbers similar. So you look around. It gets to the point, until you start winning in January, we'll give you credit, but we won't give you the credit you may deserve because we expect those stars to win in January, and there's a lot of guys that would kill for his ability. I believe Herbert can get to another level coached right. I'm gonna, it's, it's a perfect jumping-off point then, Sean, because as someone that's you know called games for this team since they arrived in 2017. Yeah, you're phenomenal, by I the way, brother. You do a great oh, job. A great, no, I'm being serious. You do a hell of a job. I Plus, you got a great it. nickname too. It's here's one here's one thing I've seen more than any. If you were to ask me, what is it like calling games for the Los Angeles Chargers? I'd say I have seen them snatch defeat from the hands of victory more than any other team in the league. So I so I guess it's a two part question. I've seen Herbert drive his team down the field hand the ball to the defense with a four-point lead, and walk out of there with a loss. Yep, I've seen the defense force a punt, hand it back to the offense, trailing by two, and it's a, it's four and out, and they can't even get a first down. Is there, in all of your experience, all your stops, is there something to that, that team, certain teams just find a way to lose? And is yes. that where... So you think maybe the next coach that comes in and says, look, we got to clean the decks. Well, we, we, there's something here that's got to be just completely washed out and we got to reset. Money, how, think about this for a second. That's, that's, it's, when you start to think about what's this difference between a seven-win team and a team that gets to the AFC or NFC championship game, right? I think it's like two or three players, a quarterback, a uh, great leader at the top, and about six to eight plays a game. With the Chargers, the problem, and you hit it perfect, you see them with your eyes every day, we're getting your expertise is 
it doesn't feel like during the time when it's the, the hottest of the temperatures that 53 dudes get it. Sometimes, like you said, this side gets it. What happened to this side? And you are right. Now, maybe the statistics, there's other teams that have blown leads as many times. But I almost feel, I swear, I've said it on my show. As a guy who obviously has an affinity for the Chargers as well, I, I said it on my show. I said, oh, what's the spread or who they're playing? I said, don't kid yourself. They will find a way to allow somebody to stay in a game or they will throw their way into a win. But somewhere in that game, you're going to scratch your head like, what in the hell is going on with this gifted team? And I do believe a guy can change it because I've seen not only on teams I've been on, but I've, I witnessed it right here in Houston. I don't mean to reference yeah. them guys twice, but I, I, I've watched this team the last two years flounder around and not have any clue late. In game, and they gave games away, going for ties when they should have handed it off and went for a win. Coaching decisions, bad game management, guys throwing the ball to the wrong guy. And then when that guy plays well, then somebody else screws it up and they're, they're, they're running through the secondary wide open. When you teach a team, and I think it comes down to one word on the other side, accountability. There's accountability that goes in. It's not an I confess he did it thing. It's let me take care of my business. D'Amico, guys, they were three wins last year and a tie. All right. And you walk in here and their talent changed a little bit. Remember when C.J. Stroud was drafted, this city on my radio show was reluctant to say, let's go get Stroud. They didn't, they didn't really want him. But it was, it was, and I said, well, yeah. he's thrown the ball all over the place for two straight years. He, he can throw it. Well, they went and got him and D'Amico, and, and instantly, you know what he did? The believability, we use the word culture a lot, whatever that culture, energy, leadership. But in the building, they had higher expectations than the rest of the world did, and they're validated. So the way you practice, the way you work. And he made an interesting point the other day on, on a press conference. When he was talking about his team, he said, listen, I treat them like grown men. We treat them like grown men. We're not going to embarrass them or cuss them out on a regular basis and embarrass them in front of teammates. We try to take care of it. We try to, you know, be basically self-esteem builders. And I paraphrase that part of it. So, yeah, I, I do think it's not just they got to stay healthy. You got to get a little lucky. All those things that go with the full season. But I can tell you instantly when you walk in the building and you don't have to ask for respect, it's heaped upon you. It's heaped upon you because those guys know when they listen to you. And his energy, look at D'Amico and Pierce's energy on the sidelines. Isn't it, isn't it the same? It's almost like they're feeding off each other. They right. both are into it. They let their coaches coach. That's another thing. He hired a phenomenal assistant, Bobby Slowick, and a bunch of other ones that have the same mindset without being ass kissers, meaning they, you know, you can challenge the system respectfully so we know what to do. And then he stays out of Bobby Slowick's way. He stays out of the special teams coach's way. He just, here's how we're going to manage it, and here's my calls during a game, and he's the defensive coordinator as well. So I do, man, I think it is. it, it may not be just as simple because that's, that's too easy to describe, but I do think losing becomes contagious and expectations are, here we go again, as well as winning. I think teams in this league that get into that position fully 100% expect that they're going to go kick a field goal to win, they're going to get a stop to win, and while it doesn't always work, I have Baltimore. If they're down seven, is there any doubt in your mind they think they're going to win the game? I, I, Kansas no. <laughs> City, I, even though they've had losses, the mindset is we're not lucky to be here. We, we earn the right to be here. Not only that, we expected to be here, and we expect to win this week too. So I do. I just think there's a paradigm shift that needs to happen with the Chargers, and it's been a long time since they were, you know, well, forever since they've been in a Super Bowl, but a long time since we're like, oh, my gosh, Dan Fouts. Herbert needs a little bit of Fouts to come over there and give him a speech, and the coach, the ownership needs to get a guy 
who is going to change the energy in the building and hold people accountable. And it doesn't happen on all these teams. Experts aren't always experts if they can't maximize the building. It's going to be an important hire for them. I couldn't agree with you more. Just like I saw Philadelphia this past yep. week, you knew they were going to lose. Everyone's like, oh, they're favored by three. You're like, okay, what gives you hope that they're going to win when they lost six out of five, the last five out of five out of six games that they played? What's going to make them change course? And everyone's like, oh, they're I, no, you can't what, just turn it on and off. Why do you think the Houston Texans believe they can go to Baltimore and win? What is it that do, they, do you think they believe they can win? And <laughs> yeah, and Lo, you are so right. I'm with you. Uh, a buddy of mine said, yeah, I'll make a bet. Oh, Philly will turn it on. Oh, okay. So you show me the evidence that tells me in these last six weeks that team. I said, they're not only going to get beat. You could take that. That's a that's a stealing bet for me. Tampa's winning that I, damn thing. Yeah. And I, I, But I didn't know it was going to be that bad a beat down to now they want Sirianni's butt in Philadelphia, right? It's crazy. Um, no. Something's missing there, too. I, I, there are too many good players for them the last six weeks to look like no they didn't want to show up. As far as Texans go, I think why – I don't think they're using the phrase that a lot of people use. We're on house money. House money is a built-in excuse to say, if we lose, well, we weren't supposed to be here anyway. D'Amico's not preaching that. They're preaching house money, my ass. We're going to, to win. We've beaten teams along the way. We've beaten them with field goals. We've played really good defense. We've got after quarterbacks. And the, the main thing is they're – in the top five or six against the run, and you know if you can't stop the run against Baltimore, you are you are finished. Interior, it's it's they're the hardest team to game plan because of the Lamar feet, the into in and out, the inside zone, and that Munkins calling great games. They got a power run game, and you get nosy in the pass game, and they hit these home runs. And if you miss on a blitz, Lamar Jackson's going to punish you. But the Texans believe they can. And it's not fake belief, and it starts with the guy under center. I'm going to tell you guys now, we've seen a lot. You saw Herbert as a rookie who was fabulous. You saw, we've seen Elway make plays and Marino and all those guys. And I'm not just talking about the numbers. I'm talking about the way they lead and make throws under duress. He's the best intermediate thrower in the league. If, if it, wow. He's more accurate throwing at 15 to 25 yards than some of these dudes are throwing balls to the flat and the, the simple play that you got to make all the time. They believe in him. He's led them without talking about it. He, the quarterback, gives you a chance. While everybody fears Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so, I, you can bet your ass that John Harbaugh in Baltimore and that team and McDonald, they know without a, without a shadow of a doubt that this dude at quarterback, if we mess around, he will beat us. And this isn't fake because you can't fake. He's what started 15, 16 of the 18 games because he missed two during the regular season. You can't fake the way he throws it, and he has no conscience. But with no conscience of where he's throwing it, he's judicious. Screen, boom, throw it out of bounds, take your shots. He's fantastic. I've never seen a guy this quickly make these kind of throws. I've seen guys with better arms and maybe a little more accurate like Drew Brees. But when you combine it all this early in his career on a team that's been makeshift offensive line at times this year, their best receiver, Tank Dell, now it's turned into Nico Collins, hasn't played the last six or seven weeks. And there's been no loser's lament of built-in excuses. They fully expect that they can go in and win because they aren't they aren't talking about it being on house money they're talking about being on their time as you guys know it's so hard to get there chargers my marina went what once and never went back so it's hard to get there so they cherish it but i think they fully expect to go in and make this a game and if they're around in the fourth quarter pressure instantly on baltimore as we well know
Well, you hear it. Uh, it's as good as it gets. You, you break it down nationally in a pretty darn good time to be doing local radio in Houston. The Astros are always in it. Houston <laughs> yeah. is obviously in the thick of it in college basketball. The Rockets are on the come. And obviously the uh, the Texans are, are one of the most fun teams to follow all season long in the true Cinderella story. My man, with all the with all the stuff we've had to be through with the Texans and Deshaun Watson and everything right. else and the Rockets winning 20 games. Nobody here is apologizing for their success, so we'll take it. It makes radio pretty – morning drive radio at 3.30 when you're waking up like, okay, at least oh, yeah. we're still – normally they're already talking about baseball season, but we're still playing football in Houston, so that's a good thing. And my yeah. man Kelvin Sampson, I need – go win a national title. They're really good this year too, Matty, you're right. No doubt. It's uh, it's a great time to be down there in a 713, the city of Syrup, and we certainly appreciate uh, Sean Sauter There you go. There you go. With us. I, uh, we I, appreciate it, John. I appreciate you guys. Low grade to see you, Money. Thanks. You guys keep killing it. I appreciate you having me on. I'm honored. You're the Thanks, best, buddy. Sean. Well, again, appreciate the perspective of, of Sean's there. And, and what a time to be in Houston, as we said. You have the Texans. And, and Lowe is someone who, you know, was, was inside of a stadium that had the least amount of energy. And I am talking – College basketball games, I've called college football lopsided first, second week of the season style college football games. You know, the way back in the day, San Jose State, USC at the Coliseum, you know, during the Pete Carroll heydays type stuff. I have not seen the a stadium devoid of energy like I saw in Houston the last couple years when we were out there, when the Chargers were out there to play the Texans. So love to see what they're able to do. It's a great sports city. Uh, it's a great franchise. They love their Texans, their Astros, their Houston Cougs, the Rockets and all that. So we certainly appreciate Sean coming on, who's been super busy, not to mention as someone who did the morning show for 12 years uh, here in town. I know what it's like to, to be dragging through the middle of the day when we asked him to come on, which is normally your nap time. Right. <laughs> he did a great job. I love Sean. No doubt. So uh, special guest this week. We'll be back next week. And if you were asking me dollars to donuts uh, to, to lay it down, yeah, I think we'll be talking about the new head coach by the time, the new general manager, by the time we're back next week doing this thing and, and celebrating and get exciting and getting excited about moving ahead with uh, with that new leadership for this group. And then we can start focusing on that number five overall pick and free agency and all that sort of stuff and get ready for a, a heck of a 2024. No question. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.